This is I Will Hunt. I'm your host, Rudy Getzig. I will be interviewing folks in my quest to learn how to hunt. I know I have a lot to go over, and you can learn with me. Listen in. Do I have what it takes? Will I hunt? I will hunt from the heartland to the shore. And I may not find nothing, and my rifle turns to rust. But I will hunt. Cantrell outdoors in the house. In the house. Well, I think talking about hunting mm-hmm. and talking to multiple different people. Some people have hunted, some people haven't. Some people are um, different fields of life. And, and but, you know, I actually deliver groceries for a, a living. I deliver <laughs> cookies and crackers <laughs> to grocery stores, and so so I know some meat cutters and stuff, right? And, right. And, and you know, you start talking to them, and and it just seems to be a big topic conversation because it's a very important part of a hunt is actually getting that animal ready to put in your pack and take home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Let's talk about that because I can remember – I can also remember being in high school and, and some uh, some dude we used to call Scruff, you know, <laughs> he showed up with a big old deer sitting on the back of his truck. You know, we were all poking in its eyes and stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so people aren't doing that really much anymore, right? As, as far as, as like taking a whole animal back? Uh, some, you know, but it's um, not – definitely not the, the places where I hunt. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of guys a lot stronger than me. Um, you know, my my one of my one of my other best friends, Half Thor Bjornsson. You know, strongest man in the world. We're always hanging out. You know, <laughs> Instagram and stuff. Uh, but unless you're him, you're not packing a whole critter out. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, there's no there's no. Uh, so for instance, like deer hunting, right? Um, you're not going to pack out a lot of deer bones because you're there's not a lot that you're going to do with a lot of the bones, and I'm probably going to get a bunch of crap from my buddy uh, Sean McCarty. Shout out to Chef Sean down in Phoenix, Arizona, mm. uh, super famous chef buddy of mine. But like, so he'll do like a bigger animal, like an elk. He'll take the bones and you can cut them in like uh, an inch or so thickness right like you get a big femur bone and you cut it like with a big uh, bone saw or whatever and then the and then you could cook it and he does like all kinds of fancy stuff like on almost there. like rounds yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it looks yeah. just like a little round and uh and the bone marrow is like if you've never had like really well done bone marrow it's mm. like it's like it's like uh butter and meat uh, had sex and the baby was bone marrow. It was just so. It so is. Wait, hold on, your analogy. You're eating the baby. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going okay. to hell. I'm going to hell for that one. Backtrack on that. Yeah, it's. I get your point. Yeah, it's just really. I mean, done. Like, there's so many. You know, like I. So, uh, I, I know we mentioned this all the time, but so we're down in the in in the museum, right? So there's a reason I have a natural history museum because I hate wasting anything. I like to use everything. I want to eat everything. I want to use everything, and so that's where that like uh, the cooking and the butchering comes into play, right? So, packing out a whole animal is awesome. I'm not going to say I've never done it because if you're in an if you're in an area where you can back a truck up to a critter, you know, like there was one time, uh, true story. I was with my hunting buddy Travis, and um, we were in an area where it was like a 200 yard drag, and then you we could get it to the truck right. 
and we drug out this because we wanted to know how much a mule deer weighed where we where we were hunting at. We're in Eastern Washington, and we had big mule deer in Eastern Washington, right? Um, and it was was it that deer? I think oh, it was that. It's a full deer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're looking. I got a life size mule deer mount in front of us, and uh, we're we're you know we're talking about man, these deer are really big, especially when you go hunt like you know the west side of the state and you're shooting blacktail, and then you go like to the islands and you shoot these little tiny tiny blacktail we have. So we're guessing. So we took we dragged this whole thing out, guts and all, get it back to his little hunt shack, hang it up on the. Uh, he's got a big uh, scale, right? Like a hanging scale, and we get it up there. Pull the truck out. Deer's hanging there. Look at the scale. It's 300 pounds on the money. 300 pounds. And that's just like, wow. that's like a normal size mule deer over there. It wasn't even a huge mule. You know, we're looking at it right now. It's like a decent little 4 by 4 buck. Um, but they're just huge, right? So there's a big, there's a lot of meat in that critter, right? I mean, there's guts and bones and fat and skin and things like that. Um but there's a lot of meat. So how do you get all that meat out? What can you eat? What can't you eat? Things like that. So on a, on a deer, you know, uh, I don't know if I've ever done uh, deer marrow. But like, uh, like for instance, liver and heart. Like deer liver is fantastic. Um, Recipe-wise, I mean, if you Google this type of stuff, a lot of stuff comes up. I know I've referenced the, the mule deer or the mule deer, the meat eater uh, cookbook, and they have a bunch of good stuff. I think... I feel like any anybody who gets into hunting should, even if you don't like cooking, the meat aspect, the eating aspect, the food, everything that goes along with that is a is a huge part of it. So you should definitely buy a cookbook, buy a wild game cookbook, and they'll give you a lot of good ideas as far as how to prepare this so it's delicious. Because if you if if you cook it wrong, it can taste not great. And it's going to put a lot of people off. So you're going to be jazzed up, right? When I when I come home, I'm super stoked. That everyone knows, like, oh, you know, Chris just went hunting. All right, <laughs> you know, like dinner at my house, right? And so I will try and do the best that I can uh, to prepare something that's palatable for people that are not wild game eaters. Because there's, I mean, it's a different taste to it, right? I mean, they're not sitting there uh, eating corn and, uh, you know, getting shots from the dock every oh, right, you know yeah. all this kinds of yeah, stuff right this yeah. is a wild animal big old cow or something yeah. yeah yeah so um again and that's where you know i i go back to like uh like like my buddy sean like as he makes these like incredible wild game dishes and serves them to billionaires like there's ways to make food that would just blow your mind wow. you know really really good and that starts with knowing how to break down an animal right uh so we're talking about deer because we're looking at one right in front of us. Yeah, we're looking at a deer. <laughs> so so I think that's probably the most common game that people are probably going to hunt. So uh, let's use that for an example. So let's say the average deer is 300 pounds. There's not a lot of people that are going to throw a 300-pound deer over their shoulder and pack over a mountain and, and take it out, right? So I am uh, – uh, when I first started hunting, you know, I did it like the old guys did it, right? So you you and your buddy, you, you gut it, you grab an antler, and you drag it out of the woods, right? Um, and I did that for a lot of years and I, it's, uh, what do you think, what do you think the guts take out of it? Percentage wise or weight well, wise or, wise, yeah. uh, I don't know, probably 30, 40 pounds at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah depending, you know, so like for instance, w uh, when I, when I gut a deer, I will, um, you know, you you pull everything out, but like I said, you know, I'll take the the heart and the liver, and so now I'll take the call fat as well. And the call fat is like that; it's like a 
um, it's a like a re- it almost looks like lace uh, around the guts, right? And you got to be real careful when you remove it, but you can use that to cook and it keeps, um, keeps your meat moist and adds flavor and all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that you can use that a lot of people just waste. Right. Uh, so you take, you know, you can take this call fat, you take the, uh, well, back up one sec. Um, you, you like literally just cut the bottom out the, like the belly, belly side then. So or how are you getting the guts out? So uh, imagine a deer laying there on its back, right? Um, or on its side, probably. Uh, I usually put it on its back. Oh, okay. So you. You'll so I tip it, it up. Yeah. So like, uh, hopefully you have buddies or something to help you. But I always call it. I always carry stuff. Uh, I think I mentioned this before. Mule tape, which oh, is yeah, basically yeah. like the real thin rope, real strong rope, parachute cord or whatever it will work as well. And so if you're by yourself, hopefully there's something to tie off to, like a little tree or a limb or a bush or something. So you got uh, one leg this way, one leg that way, right? Imagine like a like a high school prom. <laughs> I wasn't trying to go there, but you can imagine. So yeah, so you got this thing laying there, and uh, um, there's a there's there's some very uh, intricate cuts that you have to do. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah. ter- that's terrible. Yeah. So uh, so so you from the throwing the privates in right so so you start at the butthole right yep. so i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm start and i know i got a lot of crap from yeah. my buddies about this but i start at the butthole right so you got to cut around it because you want to pull that you want to pull everything out right so i cut around that and then you cut up uh to, depending on boy or girl or whatever right yeah and so i'll take there's a so you have like the skin and then there's a muscle layer and then there's the then the gut sack, right? So you have a space in between there, and so you're very carefully trying to. So when you cut up past the uh, past the the hip bones joint, there's a right like uh, if you could imagine like I'm a fat guy sitting here, and right below my belly button, like where my belly folds over, like right there is where your your guts start, right? So there's going to be uh, uh, that void in between that meat and the gut sack so when you got to be real careful because if you poke that gut sack you're going to get sprayed with guts it's really disgusting don't do that Mm. um so you just want to be real careful once you get in there and then i'll take like two fingers like a v and i'll i'll shove my fingers in there and i'll spread my fingers so i can physically feel that that make a that void a little wider and i have a real small knife like i typically use like a it's called a havilon and there's a replaceable blade it's almost like a surgeon type scalpel they're super great they're very inexpensive uh, you know, you don't need a big, huge, heavy knife. I, it cuts weight too, because they're not very heavy at all. So I'll use that, and uh, and then I'll you'll cut straight up um, towards the center of the chest, and and once you get probably about, I don't know, I'd say, you know, when you look at the full length of the deer, halfway of the deer, you hit the the bottom part of uh, the sternum, right? So your brisket right there, right where the ribs start, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. and uh, and you'll and you. You won't be able to cut through that with a knife, with a small knife, anyways. Um, and you can open that up farther if you so choose. Uh, but side note, that's a good stopping point uh, for a mount. So I get, I'm, I am, uh, I just have a, I'm very strict with myself as far as like mounting things. I think, I think it's very respectful to, uh, to you know, mount it. I like looking at it. I like coming down here and telling stories about my deer and things like that. So. I'm going to use that point as a reference point to cut around uh, the animal, like the circumference of it, and that's where I'm going to start caping that animal out 
from that point uh, for a shoulder mount. So, uh, and that's that's a whole taxidermy conversation. Yeah. But um, so once you get up in there, so about about where that sternum's at, there is the diaphragm, right? So an animal has a diaphragm. But think of it as a divider, and so that divider is. Uh, um, attached all the way around, right? So, like, if you, so for instance, if you gut shot an animal and you made a terrible shot, those guts wouldn't get up in past that diaphragm. But if you make a good shot in the pump, that's why they call it the pump house because where all the vitals are at, the lungs and the heart, um, the your your guts won't be full of blood. But once you get into that diaphragm, that's where all the blood's going to be, right? And that's where you should shoot a critter, don't shoot a critter in the guts. That's bad. Because uh, it take forever for him to die, and it's terrible, and it's a bit, and that's a, and that's a, that's a whole nother. We'll do a whole thing <laughs> about gut shot critters too, and and bullet placement. But uh, so you cut around that diaphragm. Like I said, the diaphragm is attached. Uh, think about it's attached in the entire circumference. So you got to cut, and it's a, just a thin layer of muscle. So you cut all the way around that. Once you're past that, there's a there's a little bit of connection. So all the way up through its back and everything. Yep, all oh. the way around. All it's like a perfect divider, right? Think of like a you know a shelf in the fridge, basically. And so down below that's all the guts. Up above that, which ironically is what you're thinking about anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. Get this thing in the shelf in the fridge. Yeah. yeah. Freezer, whatever. So once you get past it, like I said, there's some connective tissue. Um, you know, so you kind of reach around, you can break some of that stuff up with your, with your, um, hand, but if you reach all the way up, you know, pull your sleeve up, you're going to reach all the way up, uh, inside the, uh, the chest cavity and it's windpipe comes down and you'll reach up there and inside you'll be able to have your hand around that windpipe very carefully reach up with your other hand and cut that windpipe. And you'll be able to take that. If you've cut the diaphragm all the way around, you'll be able to hold that windpipe. And if you pull it all the way down towards the bottom of the deer, if that diaphragm's cut all the way around, everything will pull out in one foul swoop. And then if you, again, back to the butthole, if you cut all the way around the butthole, it will pull that butthole up into the cavity and then pull it out. It's like literally like all one piece. Like you just pull it out and and then everything's out. Out of the whole deer and you're rearing to go. Wow. Yeah. And so that's all you have to do to gut it. Now, if you want to break it down, you know, depending like if you're going to do the old school thing. When I say old school, like how I got started was, like I said, you grab an antler, you know, and you start dragging this deer. Uh, to me, that's way, way harder to do than cutting it up and putting it in your backpack. Like I can pack a lot of weight on my back versus dragging on the ground, right? Uh, so. Oh, absolutely. So I will, I will, um, I'll. There's a couple. There's a couple steps. So let's back up a second here. So you're gonna eat, right? You're gonna eat this animal. So you gotta imagine you're in the field, wherever you're at. You're typically on the side of a steep mountain or something like that. You're trying to find a level spot. You get the guts out, um, and there's a there's a gutless method as well. But we won't get into that right now. Uh, but there is a way to you know cut a whole deer up without even taking the guts out. Uh, but so let's say you take the guts out. You get the guts away. You get the heart and liver out. Now you're going to um, get this thing laid out, uh, hopefully in a somewhat clean spot, and then you're going to you, you're gonna have a little tarp with you or you're going to have game bags or something, right? And so what you're going to yeah, do... You're not going to just throw stuff on the ground. Right, right, because you're going to eat this, right? And if you take it to the butcher, like say, for instance, if you, if you don't have clean meat when you take it to the butcher, he's going to take it and he's going to cut. They don't wash it, mm. right? They're not just going to wash your meat. They cut everything out. 
So they're going to cut the dirt off. They're going to cut the junk out. They're going to everything, right? So you're losing half your meat right off the get. People get all pissed because they go to the butcher and they pick their stuff up and they go, hey, you know, this isn't near the amount of meat I dropped off. And like, well, it was covered in gravel and dirt and, and gut wash and all this stuff, you know, like they're not going to take 10 hours for your one deer that they're charging you 150 bucks to cut up, you know, like you got to imagine this guy's got 30 deer hanging in his freezer, right? So I'm very careful. I'm very deliberate um, when I do cut up a deer. So for instance, like when you skin it out, you don't ever take your knife and cut down on a critter. You always put your knife underneath the skin so the blade is up, facing up towards the hair. So when you cut, you're not you're not cutting any of that hair because if you get hair on your meat, like there's no way to get off. You can burn it off, but still then you have that burn hair smell and I think it retains some of that smell. It's kind of gross, right? So uh, hmm. knife is under the skin, right? Blade pointing up towards the hair. You, you, you know, you'll make a cut down from each side inside the leg, uh, towards the belly, inside the leg, towards the belly, on on all of them, four parts, and then you can start pulling, uh, pulling that skin down, and then you got to skin it out, right? So you're skinning the deer down one quarter, and then I'll cut around. And I know this can be very intimidating for a lot of people, uh, especially if you've never done it or even done it a few times. Sorry, that's my dog barking at <laughs> probably the UPS guy. Uh, can we pause this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so. So you're talking about uh, skinning the deer could be kind of intimidating to people. Yeah, just you know, cut, so cutting a deer up, you know, I'm not a butcher by trade. You know, 99% of the people are not butchers by trade. So uh, it's just intimidating getting in there um, to cut this thing up. And, like, every single speck of meat is precious, right? And it's not like when you mess up, it's like, oh, it's okay. I'll just go get another deer real quick. Like, that's not that's not the way it works, right? <laughs> you know, you get one tag and that's it. Or at least here in Washington. So you are you 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 get a quarter cut off, right? And depending on how far you're going, uh, sometimes you'll even go farther than that and bone it out. So you'll take you know the actual you cut it down to get the bones out, and that's a whole nother story as far as you know. How, okay, where should I cut to get? Uh, you know, say the best steaks. Like you just don't want to start willy-nilly hacking away at the thing because then you know you don't want to burger your whole deer. I mean, you could if you want, yeah. but you know, I like I like a lot of steaks. So uh, there is. I'm trying to think of a good resource for that. I'm sure there's probably videos on YouTube. Uh, you know, of of like how to how to break down a critter and stuff like that, or you know, different different cuts of meat or how to cut it. Um, Do you typically have everything's still basically attached to the deer and you're cutting it so like what do you cut away first so after after so if we're if we're gutting it first i'll gut it and then i will start uh at at the hindquarters right so at the back of the deer you get to so when you're looking at a deer you're if we're going to break it down if we're going to pack it out on our backs uh i'm going to break it down into a couple different pieces so your hindquarters so that is from the hip, from the hip joint all the way. It's like I'll cut it actually at the hip joint, right? Oh, okay, so it's up pretty high. Right, and I and I'm not talking like I'm not. I don't have a saw. I'm doing everything with my knife, right? So I'm not cutting through any bone. And so there's, uh, uh, it's very once you do it a few times, it's very easy because you can basically just follow like the the hip bone 
down into the joint and then cut it out that ties into the back straps uh you have your your tenderloins on the inside which are real easy to cut out uh the uh, uh front quarters are very very easy to cut off uh so basically like when you you know so the front quarter is basically your front leg right so when you're going up that front leg uh after you've removed the skin you've you've caped it out right uh if you're going to get it mounted which you are uh, <laughs> uh, the front leg is crazy, right? Because you think like in the back, in the back leg, you have you have uh, that that big, huge hip joint, right? Yeah. So the ball and there's all this cartilage and connective tissue, and you got to cut around that, and then just 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 this, like copious amounts of muscle around it. It's, you know, that's where all your meat's at is in your hind quarter. Your front front leg, you're not getting a t- not near as much meat out. But so after you um, after you skin it, so you're imagine the deer's laying on its back, and you have you have its front leg, and then you're going to cut from the from its chest from the inside of that leg. Um, there's some uh, uh, you'll cut through cut through some meat basically kind of al- along the rib cage, and it just opens up this giant cavity inside. There's like no there's nothing connected. There's just a little meat on the bottom. And a little meat on the top, and that's it. That's all that's holding that whole front leg on. Weird. Like, you're not cutting any joints there. It's not like a shoulder joint, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's none of that. Huh. It just cuts right. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember the first time, I'm like, where's its shoulder joint bone thing like I got, you know? Nope. It's not like that. Uh, Weird. Yeah. And so, once you do that, so you remove both hind quarters, both front quarters, uh... You'll have a bunch of neck meat, right? So from the like the brisket up around the neck, uh, a ton of meat. So that's like where you get a bunch of stew meat or burger. Uh, the whole thing is just you know just packed. So uh, that'll be a big piece that comes off, and then your back strap. So down the backbone, um, you'll have. Uh, uh, I should know this. My wife's a doctor. I'm trying to remember <laughs> the na- the, na- the name of the ridge there. So anyways, you just you you'll basically follow it down. Uh, from from the base of the neck all the way uh, to um, to that hip bone, and it and it basically you just it sits in there. It's connected um, just on like half of it. So you'll see half of it, and the other. It's almost like you could scoop it out. So once you start on one end, how I usually do it is you'll start from the top and you'll cut that down, and then you can kind of um, ca- kind of carve it out almost. You know, like a. Uh, like as you're pulling it, you're kind of yeah, yeah, like yeah. cutting out, like almost like a canoe, like there's, there's a canoe type dugout shape, you know. Once you remove a back strap, and it's a big, long, uh, like almost cylindrical piece of meat, you know, on a deer is probably you know two and a half feet long, and wow. probably as big around as uh, you know a forearm. So it's like a velociraptor. Yeah, well, skinny guy's forearm. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, yeah. And so those, you know, not my, definitely not your forearm, Rudy. Rudy's a giant man, yeah. by the way. People can't see him. That's a that's an elk ten, that's an elk backstrap. Uh, but so you got your so so you're divvying up your pieces, right? So it's usually when I go hunting, it's me and a buddy, right? It's you, me and Travis usually. So um, we're figuring out. All right, we got to pack this deer out in one shot. And so like, I'll get a hind quarter. He'll get a hind quarter. I'll get a front shoulder. He'll get a front shoulder. Uh, I'll take a backstrap. He'll take a backstrap. Uh, you know, and then you have your, your tenderloins and your neck meat. And so basically what you have left is you have your, your, your backbone laying there 
and your ribs, um, and then you're gonna again you're mounting it. So you're gonna you're gonna cape that out, and a lot of guys won't take the back skin. So you when you caped it out, it's basically you know if you're splitting that deer in half, everything from that middle section all the way you know um, to the head is you're taking all that all that hide, and it's it it it's one of those deals to where. You don't, you know, when you're cutting it, you don't want to cut any holes in the hide, right? Because you're going to get it mounted and, you know, you know, tax owners can fix it, no problem. But you're trying to be careful. So a lot of guys will leave like a lot of, there's a lot of uh, connective um, muscle on the actual oh. skin, right? Like it's not, the skin just doesn't peel off when you get down to the to the neck a lot of times because, you know, the meats, everything's connected, right? Almost like a horse, you know, when a horse twitches, you know, it can move its skin. It's kind of the same type of deal. So you got to just be aware of trying to get that off otherwise you're going to pack you know a little bit really adds up so next thing you know you know you got an extra 10 pounds of stuff yeah. that you got to pack out which makes a big difference on the last you know couple of miles of trail so you'll take that out and then it's a depending on how skilled you are um like i will it's called caping out right so i will take that hide uh, all the way, completely off the animal, like up off the skull and the face, and there's a there's some intricacies on the inside of the of the the mouth, the inner lip, the eyelids, things like that, uh, to produce a, a good taxidermied mount. Um, and so I'll take all that off, and then I'll even typically cut the antlers off of the skull and just take uh, take the antlers out because I don't want to pack all that extra weight. Again, depending on how far you're going. Now past that so you have all now you have all these major chunks of meat right and then you can cut out the rib meat in between the ribs and what you'll have left there is a gut pile minus your heart and liver and then you have the backbone and then the stripped ribs right and that's basically all you got and then the, so the the uh the knee bone i guess you would call it on a yeah, tier yeah, yeah. you know so i would just pass that you know like an inch or so you know you you cut those off with a saw and then you toss those out for you know the coyotes and uh you know everything gets basically recycled in the in the out in the woods but in uh, the world right so unless you're going to make like a, a a coat rack for the missus you know out of some deer feet or something you know i'll, I'll usually leave those out in the woods and like what i said about, uh do people do anything with that uh edible wise i mean it, i know it might sound kind of funny but i think about like uh you know you're in the in the store and you see something that they only eat down south like pig's feet right pig's yeah. feet deer feet <laughs> you know do that you know that's a good question and i and uh again to all the millions and millions of listeners we have uh i would definitely be open to uh, any any type of uh, ideas or recipes you guys do with uh with a with deer <laughs> with a hoof or like like i said so usually i mean because it's just nothing but but bone and and tendon right uh from like that, I, and I'm I'm sure I should know what that joint is called, but basically like the knee joint down. So, uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be really curious to find out if someone actually does something with that stuff. Yeah, because uh, I mean, you just never know. And um, obviously, they're not eating the actual hoof. I mean, I can't imagine, right? But but right. like you said, your buddy, uh, he's uh, he's cooking out some some of the best stuff out of some of that bone. So, I mean, that's a lot of bone you're tossing out there. Right, right. I mean, which probably doesn't even weigh that much. No. Maybe. No, and I, you could totally do, uh, you know, I'm sure you could do some type of deer bone marrow something or other. And like I said, it's uh, 
I, it may it may sound off putting to some people, um, but you know I'm a I'm a big proponent of don't knock until you try it up to a point. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know there's a lot of stuff that I ate that I never thought I would eat. I mean I can remember being at deer camp and guys hanging livers up in trees for days in the sun, and I'm like, these guys are full of it. There's no way I'm eating that. And then I, and they cooked it up, and I was like, holy crap, these guys are going to eat this. That's disgusting, you know? And I ate it, and I was like, holy crap, this is delicious. Like, yeah, yeah. it is super good. Uh, you know, heart sandwiches and, and just stuff. like. I mean, it's just meat, you know? it's Everything is meat. You know, you hear about all these guys uh, going on, like, carnivore diets or, you know, like, the keto type of diets, and they say one of the big things is, you know, you got to eat like organ meats, you know, like liver and things like that. Because there's all there's different kinds of, uh, you know, minerals and nutrients and stuff like that, vitamins or whatever uh, that your body needs. So it's, uh, it's, you know, people hundreds of years ago, this is all they ate. You know, it may yeah. sound weird to some people, but uh, uh, there's definitely a, a sense of like uh, pride and... It's just uh, knowing that you harvested your own food. You know where it came from. You knew the. You knew especially when you butcher it yourself. When you don't even take it to the butcher and you bring it back home and really piss your wife off and throw it on the table and start <laughs> breaking out the vacuum sealer, which I do. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Um, but you know, start to finish, I know everything. I mean, I know yeah. you know like I know where the deer came from. It was eating sagebrush. You know, it's like this is okay. That's a uh, that's a three and a half year old deer. And, you know, you know all this stuff about it, you know, and uh, I had lots of freaking deer tacos and steaks and and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's uh, it provided a lot, not only for my family, but, you know, for a bunch of my buddies that don't necessarily hunt, but still enjoy that type of thing. And it's not that they don't hunt, uh, you know, because of 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 personal reasons, uh, but it's it, or by choice. It's, uh, you know, like my one buddy's got four kids and he works. 300 million hours a week like he's there's no way he just physically you know he can there's not any time for him to hunt and he can't take any time off to do it so uh you know he loves it when i come home and especially from one of my big montana <laughs> oh, Chris, oh, oh weird you're home already. yeah oh, you know and he'll come over and i'll fill up a bag of food and, or a bag of meat you know and uh, tenderloins and back straps yeah, and cool. burger and and uh yeah so no it's a, uh, it's it's just a it's a you know don't get me wrong. There's a lot of reasons why I hunt, but that's a big reason of why I hunt. Uh, that's cool. It's and it's a it's like a it's like the prize almost. You know, at the at the end of the game, like it's like oh look what I have. You know, it's something it's something physical and tangible that you can be like you come home with and be like hey you know here have a deer steak. You know, have all your buddies over and you have a big barbecue and be like hey. Show them the pictures, you know, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, here's a, you know, you know, and then I get into the story, you know, maybe I got a couple of whiskeys into me and <laughs> then I'm telling stories and it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely one of the highlights of, of, of hunting for me anyways, is, is the meat part of it. And like I said, that's why you do have to take a lot of care in what you do. Otherwise you're going to lose a bunch of meat and it's going to, it's going to, leave a sour taste in your mouth when you go to your butcher and you pick it up and he gives you one little box of meat out of your whole deer and you're going to be pissed so well now if you are uh with maybe the your one buddy or on your own that kind of thing mm -hmm. um do you have any sort of like traditional moments in there or uh you know i would assume a lot of guys uh maybe have like a 
just a moment of silence or, or oh whatever. right yeah, yeah yeah because that, that that's all kind of part of it too right and then, right and i know a lot of guys want to eat the heart right away right thing and uh you know do you, you personally have anything like that yeah so i mean there's a i think um there's definitely uh like a uh if you want to call it like a spiritual aspect to it it's just uh you know you're taking something's life you know so it's it's a it's it's not, you know, I'm not a psychopath or a killer or a murderer, you know, so it's, I think it's a, it's something that's hard, I think, for anyone to, um, to do. And I think that there's a moment to where you really need to, you know, sit down and reflect and thank whatever you want to thank, you know, for this animal's life and the food it's going to provide and, you know, everything that it's providing for you and other people. So, you know, when I, I, uh, don't get me wrong. I get jazzed up. You know, I get excited when I shoot a deer and I'm super, I'm super excited. But at the same time, you know, I do, there's a, there's definitely a, a, uh, you know, like that moment of silence and gratitude and thankfulness for, you know, for the animal's life. And, uh, and again, that's why I feel like that's kind of why I'm so, um, so s- kind of stringent and meticulous. And I have all these self-imposed rules on myself about, you know, the meat and mounting and trying to use everything that I can, you know, because it, you know, I just don't want to be wasteful. You know, it's, it's, it's not something like, uh, you know, you just don't go willy nilly flinging bullets or arrows around and killing things and not using it. You know, um, I think I've told you this before, but you know, I won't kill a spider. I'll pick it up and throw it outside because you know, if I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to kill it. Right. Uh, unless my well, wife could makes always me. eat it. Yeah, I could, I could. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have any good spider recipes <laughs> at, uh, to date, but you never know. So, uh, so the, you know, kind of going on then from there, uh, looking at this bear over here uh, that's that's trying to get to some bees, right? And uh, and and he's got a pretty displayed body. Um, there's really not that much difference, right? So, so I mean, you got your hindquarters, your you're, you're kind of probably gutting it pretty much the mm-hmm. same. Now, now when you're going with a bear, are you doing the same thing where you start with the butt and and then move forward? Yeah. So there's uh, it's it's basically the same for for most of you know, almost all the North American critters that I hunt, you know, so I'm a big, obviously a big mule deer hunter. Uh, I love shooting bears. I love shooting elk. I think they're all, you know, basically if it tastes really good, I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) go, I'm going to go shoot it and eat it. Uh, but you know, all the critters I have down here, I have a bunch of African animals. I have a bunch of random, uh, you know, things, uh, bobcats and, uh, you know, Russian boars and things like that. And, uh, almost I, I can't think of an instant an instance where i wouldn't process it the same basically you know uh, very similar very very similar yeah like i said there's a couple different methods you know there's like a gutless method where you can uh cut up an animal without taking its guts out and stuff like that but the thing is i'm going to get into the guts anyways i'm going to cut that liver out i'm going to cut the heart out uh i want to get into those um those tenderloins on a bigger animal, uh, you know, I even get into the front tenderloins, um, which a couple of guys know. I just made a unbelievable front tenderloin uh, for a shindig with bacon wrapped, and it was oh, oh my god, it was so good. It was like they cook it; the bacon was burnt, but the meat was like just barely warmed on the inside. It was oh god, it was good. Uh, anyways, uh, it was, man, it was really good. But it all started with butchering it on scene. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, it's taken me a lot of, a lot of critters to get good at. So I think, I think one of the things is, 
you know, don't be don't be afraid to make a mistake. You know, just get in there and try, and that's the biggest thing. It's um, if you're going to if you're going to do this, and like so, for instance, I was talking about the Havlon knife. Have have a regular old buck knife with you, a big sturdy something, because you're going to get in some bones, and those Havlon knives break real easy if you try and pry stuff with it. Oh, you know. Okay. Because uh, it is is like That's a surgical yeah. yeah, it's like a surgical bra- blade. So I have um, I have a good old buck knife. It's like a it's like a skeletonized, super lightweight uh, that I always bring with me because I can get in there and pry on stuff. Like when you cape a critter out and you got to cut around those those uh, those antlers, like I will actually pry that uh, the hide away from the antlers. I won't cut it um, because you want to leave all those little tiny hairs uh, that come up around. Uh, uh, the base of the antler there, so having a having a sturdy knife is important because like like I said, you there's a lot of things that I know because I've done so many times. But like on the hindquarters, when I cut it out, like I said, I'm not using a saw, I'm not using anything, I'm not cutting anything apart. So I'm going to go down and I'm going to cut around that hip joint and I'm going to do all that. Well, you might get your knife in there and ting, and next thing you know, your bl- your blades broke off, right? Well, there's blood everywhere, right, from this critter. And hopefully you didn't hit it in the guts, but then maybe there's guts everywhere, and then you have guts all over your hands. Bring gloves, by the way. That's a huge oh, help. Yeah, yeah like rubber gloves. You can buy a box at Costco for ten bucks, you know, and you got two hundred pair. Super handy. Uh, don't get me wrong. I got a lot of pictures with like a, a quarter inch of of dried, solidified meat and blood and guts and everything on my hands, and that's and it's a cool tough guy picture, but. Uh, having nice clean hands is is pretty pretty nice, you know, when you're trying to get back in your backpack or when your nose itches, and uh, you know you don't have yeah you know everybody knows what you're talking about yeah yeah so uh, you know having some gloves having two knives uh, having extra blades if you're using a Havlon uh, having a sharpener I always carry an ultralight sharpener with me as well um, you know certain things like that to where it'll make the process a lot easier and like I said just get in there and just do the best you can you know have a have a general idea hopefully some you're with someone you know I always tell people to hunt with a buddy you know safety wise and just because if you have a if you have someone who maybe has done this a few times maybe they can give you some pointers or they're the guy that has clean hands and and most of most of the places anywhere in the United States now you go you're gonna have cell phone service Google video you know like Google how to yeah you know no, that's good yeah um yeah i didn't when i got when i got started they didn't and i didn't get started that long ago you know i started hunting 19 years ago and they didn't have that that wasn't even a thing you know like i still had a flip phone you know and i had service you know downtown but you know not up in the mountains so uh yeah there's just a lot of resources to help you out with that but i do think it can be very intimidating um to a lot of people uh, but i think with a couple of those key things you know how to break it down as far as like okay two hind quarters two front quarters you know neck meat back straps tenderloins you know cut the rib meat out good to go you know you're gonna have a pile of bones left and that's about it um you know later on in the adventure you know you you want to get you want to get it mounted uh but you don't know how to cape it out so caping it out is like i said it's a very intricate process it's very uh, versus like uh, it probably takes me the same amount of time to cape a, cape the head out versus skinning the whole deer, 
Wow. You know, because meticulous. Yeah, yeah. Like I can, I can yeah. skin a deer like a madman. You know, because you can go real fast. Who cares if you cut some of the back part of it? it doesn't really matter, right? Um, but you know, when you're when on the face, you know, the skin is real thin in spots, and it has the tear ducts, and uh, you know, cutting in the inside of the nose, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah. Besides that, uh, what else you got? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just yeah. That, that's it's all it's all cool and everything, but. What about so so? Let's say, <laughs> you know, you never know what you're gonna run into out there. Oh yeah. And, and so let's say you got, uh, you know, here's this 300 pound uh, mule deer here, and, or, or you know, one of these bears, or or an elk. You know, we were right. talking about in the prior episode. Um, so the, you only got so much backpack space. Right. Right. And, right. And you know, let's say you're 10 miles from the car, or five miles from the car, or whatever. Right. The truck. Sorry. The truck. Right. You have to have a truck. <laughs> um, the Honda Civic, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, uh, you know, what do you do about all that? Then, what's the process as far as, you know, you're obviously going to cut it up the same way, right? And you know, you're going to have to bag it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you can only carry so much on your back. So with an elk, you're talking about how much meat? A lot. <laughs> so I mean, so imagine, say you shoot a Roosevelt elk, a big one. You know, say it's 1,100 pounds. Well, maybe you got really i mean if you're packing out if you're not boning it completely out you got 500 pounds of meat with some of those bones you know like that's a lot that's a lot for anybody you know you gotta be a like you gotta be in really good shape you know hence all the nonsense i have down here you know i got my guy i got my my new elliptical over here you know my old man machine (laughs) so um the bit the biggest thing is when you're breaking down an animal uh, after you shoot an animal the biggest the most important thing period is to get the heat out so get the hide off the animal get the quarters cut up if it's if it's hot out find a shady spot and try and get some stuff hung up like hung up in a tree off the ground basically you want air circulation right uh the thing is if it's if it stays hot the meat will spoil and then you're you know you just did all this for not you know it was all wasted uh so i will again back to that mule tape right so if uh if there's not a good spot um i can take i can take that mule tape and hang it up between like if there's not a big long strong limb or something you know i can take that i can string it up in between two trees and uh, i'll tie a bunch of loops in there and then i'll hang you know the quarters from there make sure they're not touching and that way everything is is hung out and get air circulation so it'll like i said again get get the heat out otherwise your meat will spoil Mm. Um, and then if you're going to go, like, say for instance, say you're 10 miles back in and you shot a huge elk and let's say for instance, uh, you're in any of the Western states that are infested with wolves now, uh, (laughs) which I'm super happy about. So, uh, you don't want the wolves to come and eat your stuff, right? Or the coyotes or the bears or the cougars, right? You don't want critters to come and eat your, your, your hard fought meat that you just, you know, spent all this time, you've been in the woods for a week off of work, you know, you got a, uh, Rudy just <laughs> bought a brand new Cantrell Outdoors, you know, $7,000 rifle. And, uh, so we're going to get all this, get all this meat in the best possible, um, position to where it's not going to spoil and it's not going to get eaten by critters. So we're going to, again, we're going to try and hang it up somewhere, right? Hopefully hang it up high enough, um, to where something can't get to it, but then maybe that's not, maybe you don't have that option, right? Maybe you're laid out somewhere, you're just in, it's all maybe sagebrush or something like that, and there are no trees. 
okay, well, what do we do then? So I'll take, uh, if it's, if it's hot, uh, and you know, sometimes like if I have a, I layer up like when I hunt, right? So I have a, like I'll have a base layer, maybe a mid layer and a coat or whatever. I'll try and take a piece of clothing and I'll leave a piece of clothing there. Uh, cause it's got my scent on it you know, critters again, we were talking oh, about okay, scent, yeah, you know, yeah. they could smell really well. Um, and then, uh, it, uh, it's, I, I don't know how true this is, but I've always done it and I'll uh, honestly, I, this is, I hope it's not gross to people, but I'll go around and I'll pee around the area as much as I can. Right. Because I'm, you know, I don't know if it's like marking your territory or the center or whatever, but it keeps the critters away. Now that you're in your forties, that's not going to be a problem. Oh yeah. <laughs> to tell me about it. You know, we've got to pee every 30 minutes. So, uh, but it is, you know, it's totally true. Cause I've never, I've never once had a critter come in and, and, and eat any, any of my meat. And I've had to do multiple trips before, you know, and it's sometimes like, like you're saying, when you're way back in there, you know, there's only so much meat you can pack. And, and again, don't try and overdo it. Cause if you hurt yourself, you know, you hurt your back. You know, Rudy and I both have bad backs. My back's half metal. You know, I got titanium rods in half my back. So there's only so much meat you can pack. So don't hurt yourself, you know, and make an extra trip, you know, or two or three or whatever. You know, your your legs will hold up. Your back won't. So, yeah. So. Well, and, and, you know, speaking of backs, I want to bring that up because I wrote a blog post on, on the Cascade Hiker podcast. Yeah, tell me other, about that. My other podcast. And, uh, you know, a little side note there because uh, – Hey, you know, obviously with you, with, with the titanium and all that, it's it's not going to help that portion of a back. It's never going to fix a structure. Right. Uh, but, uh, but man, my, my muscles on the lower back, which I didn't even know exactly where they were and what they were called and stuff, some muscle called the QT muscle. And there's this guy that's got a YouTube video out. Speaking of 19 years ago, they didn't have that. And here's all this free advice. And, man, you read the comments on this thing, and there's it's one person after another saying, I can't believe this. I've been going to a chiropractor for years. This is all I needed. And, huh. and, and it seriously, uh, uh, I was hunched over, couldn't move, and five seconds later after doing the stretch, totally fine. Hmm. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I'll, I'll put a link won't link on the show notes for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it was eye-opener. And it'll help some people, and it won't help others. But, you know, it, as long as people kind of know about it. so Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, hurting your back is, is definitely no bueno, especially it's uh, – uh, if you're deep in the woods, not that I'm speaking from personal experience, but if you're in the depth of Alaska in the bush and you pack out a uh, a moose hindquarter and try and throw it and twist at the same time, you have a <laughs> you have a joint called an SI joint in your lower back and your hip, and uh, that will go out, and uh, you'll be on your back for three days. This sounds very specific. Yeah, so I've heard. <laughs> so yeah, don't do that. Oh man. Yeah, it's it's funny, and, and you know, obviously that once again, if something like that goes out, stretching alone is usually not going to be able to help you out. But there are so many different little stretches, and um, you, a lot of people in the hiking and running community, you can pick up a ton of tips from people like that. I've interviewed so many hikers on the Cascade Hiker podcast, and one of the like people that are doing through hikes or, or hiking multiple days after multiple days. That's one of the things they talk about on a regular basis is how much stretching they do inside the tent. Hmm. And it's it's very curious, but um, it makes so much sense, you know, because it, it, after you get out that elliptical and then you sit on the couch and talk podcasting for right. a while <laughs> and then you get back up again, and it's like, oh, man. But, you know, it's the same thing when you're in a tent. 
you know, sleeping at night out on out in the bush trying to hunt a, hunt an animal, I would assume. Right. Um. So yeah, it's it. I'm always open to learning new stretches. I think that's how I was easily found this stretch. Was a friend of mine showed it to me, and I didn't watch it the first time. Right. Then when my back kind of seized up again, I was just like, you know what? Maybe I ought to check that out because I'm always open to that stuff. You know? Yeah. I. You know. I. Uh with how many surgeries I've had and you know how you know I'm literally half metal all over my body but uh I got a buddy who uh I call him the my 3B my bodybuilder buddy um big huge guy and I remember we went where we went to Montana and we had stayed in a hotel room one night you know drive halfway there got tired and he comes up in the room and uh he pulls out this big orange ball. I'm like, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. He, goes, he goes, oh, it's a, it's a lacrosse ball. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell are you going to do with a lacrosse ball? You know, I look at him kind of weird. Like, dude, you know, I know I know you, but maybe I don't know you. Like, what's going on here, <laughs> you weirdo? And uh, he started doing all these weird stretches and putting it on his feet and his back and all kinds of stuff. Yep. And and uh, he, obviously, you know, a very, uh, very intelligent guy who knows what he's doing. And like I said, the guy's jacked, you know. So... He's like, oh, do this and that and put it on your butt and roll this way, you know, and uh, like shove it in like right in my SI joint, you know, on my lower back and between my butt and stuff. And and, I, and it was incredibly painful. Like, yeah. holy crap, it was painful. And I got done and sweet mother of pearl, I felt good, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like I could darn near touch my toes, which is a miracle, you know. I Man, I felt so much better. So I totally agree with you. I mean, some of this stuff, you know, just stretching and doing things like that, it's, it makes a, a world of difference, especially when you're going to do, like you're saying, day in and day out. You know, I'm doing these long hikes, and I'm always wearing a, a backpack. And, you know, by the time you get all your stuff in your backpack and your gun and this and that and your stuff, you know, maybe you got, you know, 30 pounds in your back. Well, it may not sound like a lot, but if you do it day in and day out for, you know, two, three weeks, you know, it's, it's going to wear on you, man. You know, so... I think, uh, you know, having having just some of that knowledge of, okay, you know, if I do this one little stretch, you know, maybe every night or every morning, you know, it's going to help me get up earlier in the morning. It's going to help me, you know, make it over that mountain a little easier and a little less painful, maybe a little quieter and uh, not be focused on something that hurts instead of, you know, what you should be doing, looking for critters or, you know, trying to make yourself uh, uh, not be seen or, or not be eaten by a bear or something like that, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, when you when you start looking like the, looking like that hurt animal out there, right? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks at me like, oh, that's a slow wounded elk right there, buddy. That's that's easy pickings. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know if I told this one or not, but uh, I was out hiking, and uh, man, I was up at the uh, Cutthroat Lakes, uh, up the old Walt Bailey Trail, up out of Grand Falls, and um, it's a pretty cool area. It's it's uh, I think it's DNR land, and uh, and there's about a good 10 lakes up there it's just beautiful wow but uh um you're kind of up in this area it's 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 almost like a shoulder of mount pilchuck a little bit um and uh and there's you know flies everywhere biting flies you know just everywhere and i was just miserable and i had been not hiking a lot that season and i was on my own this is way before kids and uh there comes this helicopter and they, they were coming into like to do this uh you know take the toilet out and bring the toilet back why well, i'd seen the, the helicopter and and i was like man and and i just thought in the back of my mind <laughs> if i start limping real bad you know maybe he'll give me a ride back to the car you know right <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it didn't work out for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just never know. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about, uh, you know, we got real sidetracked there, which isn't a bad thing because um, it's all it's all good conversation. But, yeah, just I think I think that there are a lot of non-hunters or, or people moving into the hunting uh, like I am wanting to do, and, and that's a fear for them is cutting up an animal. Yeah, I think uh, when I got started – it was it was definitely uh you know i, I felt uh like anxious and i didn't want to mess it up you know like i said i mean you just took this animal's life and it's uh you know like uh you know you don't want to disrespect it but at the same time you know you want to make sure that hey you know i want to i want to get the the most i can out of this thing so let's you know let's do the best we can well if you don't know anything about it like how how can you do the best you can so i think if you don't have a buddy that has done it a few times, um, I don't know how helpful it is with me just talking about it, you know, without actually being there to show somebody. But, um, you know, I, I would say I don't know, you know, I know YouTube's cracking down on a lot of hunting type things, but, um, you know, hopefully maybe there's something there. But it, it it's kind of like any type of critter, you know, so like, you know, a, a cow is the same as a deer or an elk. You know, you got you got four quarters and ribs and back straps and the same type of you know um, skeletal structure and, and muscle layout. So I think you know uh, anything like that. And it, I feel like once you get in there and once you do it, it's a little less intimidating. And no one's going to be perfect, but just do the best you can. You know. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Please rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at I Will Hunt Podcast. Same on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the website at IWillHunt.com. And you can always send us ideas or feedback. I Will Hunt Podcast at gmail.com. This episode featured Chris Cantrell. Follow him on Instagram at Cantrell Outdoors. Thanks to Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever for creating a theme song for the show. Check them out at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Tell me who you see there waiting in the grass. Silent like a graveyard, lakes a sheet of glass. And I will hunt till I find what I'm looking for. And I will hunt from the heartland to the shore. I may not find nothing and my rifle turns to rust But I will hunt